and I have the honor and the privilege of teaching this evening. Um, Pastor has been doing the leadership series, so I'm taking his notes and I'm putting in some of my stuff in there. We're just going to have a good time with that. Is that all right? But before we start, I always tell a joke. Okay, so I got one for you. Um, I hope he's got a joke. We got we to gotta be fun around here. So in this one particular Sunday, this woman, this old, this elderly lady walked, she's elderly, okay? I don't know what elderly is, but she was elderly. And she comes, and Miss Marcy says, me. She comes into church, and the usher, you know, just on point, she was early, so she's looking for a seat. And the usher said, ma'am, good morning, can I help you? And she said, yeah, I want to sit all the way up front. He said, ma'am, you don't know what you're asking. He said, nobody really wants to sit on the front row. You don't know our pastor, he's really boring. <clears throat> And the lady looks at the man, and, he, and she said, uh, excuse me? She got really mad at him. She said, do you know who I am? Shaking her head. And he's like, no, ma'am. She said, I'm the pastor's mother. And he was like, <laughs> he said, well, ma'am, do you know who I am? And he shook his head. She's like, no, I don't. He said, good. And he took off running. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> All right. So that's one for you. All right, so Father God, take us where we need to go tonight, God. I thank you, Father, that you um, have allowed us to come together. Father, thank you for, for just giving to us, God. And what I ask that you would just speak through me this evening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first value that we went over, it was about church life and the importance and the riches of church life and leadership. So this evening, I'm going to share with you the power of praise and the secret of worship in a leader's life. Now, before, you know, a lot of people, I hear this a lot. I'm not a leader. That's not my gift. It's, yes, you are. Because the commandments, and, you know, in the last teachings that I've done, I've said that God said, go ye and make disciples. So everybody, from the youngest to the oldest, you will always have someone that is following you. You're always influencing someone. In life, and it's under this premise that we are wanting. You know, our responsibility here at the church, as pastors and teachers, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is my number one call: is to do that. And as we do that, we're wanting to place these things into your life. They're just little things. You can find thousands of great leadership teachings out there. This is coming, you know, from pastors' heart, from things that I'm sharing this evening. So it's just this is for our body. Okay, so. Um, You've heard of people tell love stories, you know, about the time that they have met, and, you know, and those are some of the best stories that you'll ever have. It's like all of a sudden light comes back into their eyes, and they're thinking, you know, hey, let me just tell you about this. If you've ever been in love, or you remember what it's like, you know, it's, and even the Bible tells us to return to our first love. Does everyone have handouts? If you don't have a handout, raise your hands. Oh, we've got two here. I'm sorry. So while Kim does that, thank you, Miss Kim. Um, but if we're telling, if we've ever traveled down that road or something really special and you're telling that story, there's something about you that makes people stop and want to listen to that story. Do you agree or disagree? Yes, it is. It's something exciting that you're sharing. And, you know, in our, our praise to God, it's not just, it's not in just singing, Okay, a lot of times when we hear praise and worship, we're thinking, okay, we're coming to church, we're hearing music, you know, time to worship like that. No, it is a lifestyle. It is a practiced lifestyle of what really comes out of your mouth. So our God is no different. And, and you know, the whole Bible, I've always said this, the Bible is a love letter to me. 
So every time I go to that word, I'm opening it up, not to see, okay, God, give me the scripture. Let me, you know, see how I could apply it to Gita's life or Diana's life. It's like, God, what do you have to say to me today? And how can I apply it to what I'm doing? So God is no different, that he's wanting us to know his story about us so that we can let the world know about our God. All right, so the power of praise. The New Testament, Greek words for praise means to tell a tale or a story. Stories have the power to change our lives, especially when they are about someone we personally know and personally care for. So telling stories of God has been involved in our personal lives and in the lives of Christ followers. It has an amazing effect on those who hear these stories. So our salvation should always bring a word of praise from our lips. When I think it's just like this evening worship, you know, I am complete, God, because you did that for me. If you didn't save me, I would be so lost and so incomplete. So when I tell you that I'm grateful for my salvation, there's not a time that it comes out of my mouth that you don't see me cry because it's just so personal to me how he saved me, and it should be that way for all of us. And you might not have had that moment, but there's something in your life that we're going to talk about this this evening that you can hold on to that you know, that you know, that you know, that God has done for you. Okay? You've, you've just got, you've got to know that. Um, so God's promises, um, this is from Ephesians 1, verses 12 and 13. God's purpose was that we Jews, this is Paul, he was talking in here, um, who were first who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise to the glory of God. And now you Gentiles have also heard. So this good news that God saves you. So they were bragging on God because he used them to first bring the gospel. And that was an awesome privilege. And you know, for me um, or you, we should have those moments where we're trying to win people to Jesus. And those are just awesome moments. Write them down. Okay, so no matter what position in life and that other scriptures are from Philippians 4, 8, you know, we are to talk about things that's excellent and worthy of praise. I taught my children that when they were little, it was the whatever scripture, and they should have known what the whatever scripture was, whatever things are good, pure, lovely. These are the things and other things too that the scripture talks about that we should keep constantly on the, on the tips of our lips. So no matter what situation that I'm in in life, gratitude should always be there. For everything that's a negative, there's always a positive. There's always some positive way to look at this and offer God praise. Um, If we're happy, James said in James 5.13, he says, if you're happy, offer praise. Sing songs. So if I'm walking around, you know, this morning I was doing my workout, and every time I lifted my arms, I was like, God, I thank you for strong arms. God, I thank you that these bones are moving the way that they're supposed to move. And when they didn't want to move, I said, in the name of Jesus, you move. (laughs) Okay? Because we got to find ways to just bring God into the mix. Because I know that everything in my body first belongs to him. And then I steward the rest of it. Right? So give praise when I'm good and I'm happy too. So God's stories um, change our hearts. So A, the first blank in there. Praise encourages our faith in God. Praise encourages our faith in God. So here are some stories that we've added in here. Marie could pray for others to be healed of cancer and many other diseases. However, Marie struggled to see her own son healed from just a a cold, right? So she began to saturate herself with God's stories, stories of how she had been used of God to pray for others um, and see how God brought divine healing to others. So Marie's going through whatever in her head and she is remembering all of the times that she prayed and her prayers became effective. 
Have you been in a moment where you're just so stuck in that moment that all you can see is a circumstance or the situation in front of you and you can't remember anything good? We're going to talk about some of that this evening, you know, but Marie kept on reminding herself, consistently bringing up these memories, these things that was recorded somewhere in her brain. She kept on bringing them up. And then finally, you know, those stories helped her to have the faith to see her son the way that God saw her son. So the story's in there for you to read. But not, and the scripture teaches us, not everyone who hears believes. You know, Paul was quoting Isaiah when he says, you know, the prophet, not everyone who hears and sees actually see and hear. So there, God has given us his spirit on the inside of us that it should bear witness to the truth of his word, that when we do hear, we believe. So if scripture says it, that is the final authority for what we are to believe. So it's not what Mira says. I can give you words all day long, but if those words don't point you to God, then that is of no effect to heaven. It has no effect. Okay, so um, again, hearing about the goodness of God, it will always build up our faith for what we are believing for. Um, there are several scriptures that's given in there, you know, and um, in John 10, 10, you know, Jesus, he's like, my purpose is to give you so we replace them to give you, to give me. God, your purpose is to give me a rich and a fulfilling life, a satisfying life. Absolutely. Jesus said that. So we want those things. Um, praise fill our hearts with hope. Praise fill our hearts with hope. So Lisa was discouraged about her marriage of 18 years to build. And she wanted to just give up on this marriage and give up and quit. Um, she was tired of Bill's temper continually complaining, you know, about everything that she was doing. But Lisa ran into a friend at church who told her how God had restored her marriage of over 20 years. And Lisa's friend said that, you know, it wasn't an easy task, but God had met her every step of the way. So one of the things that made a difference in Lisa's friend's marriage was that um, she began to form a new habit. Okay, so we say this in growth track. You sow a thought, you reap a habit. You so or you yeah you reap an action so an action you reap a habit and when you sow those habits you reap lifestyle so it all starts in our thought life but we're wanting to change so if the thoughts are negative we got to replace negative thoughts with what God says and then when we do that we've got to start looking to form new habits in our life so we don't constantly go negative right make sense um, so she formed a new habit every day her friend would read out loud. To God, a list of good things. So no matter how small or how long ago that she and her husband had shared, her friend began to just give praise to God for this. Um, she considered this list of small stories her praise. You know, so if things are going bad, God, I thank you for the good that I see. God, thank you that he's providing. God, thank you that she's strong. She's taking care of, you know, the home, what, whatever it is, you know, in the relationship. God, thank you that she brings a smile to my face, even though right now you're going like this with each other. You got to find a way to bring praise into your situation. And um, as she did, did this over time, her heart began to change towards her husband. And he actually agreed to go to counseling. So this doesn't happen all the time. But if we constantly only speak the negative, and I feel inclined to say this, but I'll wait, I'll wait for this. Um, so you can understand what I mean by all of this. There's, there's no perfect marriage. So let me just hit that right there. For those who may be struggling in marriage or past marriage, there's no perfect marriage. And these stories are not meant to make everything perfect. You with me? All right, if somebody tells you they got a perfect marriage, something's wrong. 
Okay. <laughs> Sibo. Sibo like. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes uh, we just need to get out of the negative and start speaking what God speaks. And that's where I'm headed to with this message this evening. So Lisa left church that day. She had a sense of hope to stay in her marriage, and it paid off. In the end, she and Bill went to counseling um, as well, and their marriage is well on the road to recovery. Not perfect yet. These are true stories that we got, okay? So um, her marriage is on the road to recovery. So sometimes we get tired and we give up too soon. We need hope in a hopeless situation. But what is hope? It is a confident feeling that we will receive the object of our desires, God's stories or praise has the power to restore hope within us. And um, there are a lot of unanswered prayers. I know that there is because I hear about them all the time. And in here we, you know, we said that there, we wonder how many unanswered prayers are not results of God saying no, but rather of giving up because we ran out of hope. And actually there is uh, in the verse in James where James says, you know, that um, we, we bear up love, bears up under all things, and it, it holds up under all things. And one of the translations of the way that that verse translates in the Greek, it means, you know, and here's love holds up under all things. So we're believing no matter how the pressure comes, God, this is what your word says, and you've got to know what that is for you. But then James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, because what that double-mindedness is, is that heaven gets ready to respond and it's like, you know, we cannot catch a wave. I love if I just can't go to the beach and sit to get brown. I'm brown already. I just get browner. But I don't go to the, I go in the beach to get way out. Michael's my beach buddy. Michael knows we got out in the water and we got way out and we got into the waves and got into the water. And that's a good time for me at the beach. The kids are the same way. But there's no way that I could put my hand around that water. I can't. I can't contain the wave. But what scripture is talking about, about that double-mindedness, is that we pray something, and we're believing today, and all of a sudden tomorrow comes, and you get fussed out, cussed out, whatever it was. You get moved in the situation, all of a sudden, you're like that wave again. Nobody can catch you, because all of a sudden, well, I don't want that. I don't want this marriage. I don't want this relationship. Whatever it is, I don't want this job. But just yesterday, you're standing before heaven. God, I thank you for my job. I thank you, God, that you're going to change the situation. And then tomorrow arrives, and you're standing there, don't know what you're praying for again. Heaven can't do anything with that. So we cannot be double-minded. The word that we need to be is long-suffering. To where we hold up and we bear up. This wasn't in my notes, Sean. Or this wasn't um, on those notes online. So, you know, don't give up. There is nothing that is hopeless. No one is beyond God's hope. No situation is beyond the Lord's hope. So hope is being confident, having a confident feeling that we will receive the object of our desire. God's stories or praise has the power to restore hope within us. Um, so in this story, Lisa must have experienced so much disappointment and discouragement. I'm going to go back to that. These are my notes now. Um, she must have experienced so much discouragement in her years of 20 years of waiting for this bad marriage or 18 years, whatever that was. But the goal is not to remain discouraged. So the leadership story that is most precious to me about discouragement is Joshua and Caleb. All right. 
So Joshua and Caleb, remember, they went out to spy out the promised land. And when they got there, I mean, there were, there were grapes, there was giants in the land. And only two people out of how many ever spies, 12 spies, went out there to look at the land. And two come, the rest of them, oh, they're too big. They're going to kill us like gnats. You know, we can't go there. We can't do this. We can't do that. And it's always the I can't. I do not do I can't. You know, if my team comes to me and say, hey, or my kids come to me and say, hey, you know, um, this is a problem. I'm like, okay, what's the solution? Let's look at the solutions. Tell me every reason why we should do this, not why we shouldn't do it. All right, because that's how we whittle away and figure out what our next step is going to be. So Joshua and Caleb, they were the two that came back and says, you know what? God said that that land was ours and that he was going to give us that land. But Joshua and Caleb, so he, Joshua is a leader. He led his family's clan. But Joshua could not influence his peop- these people to go with them, him and Caleb. So do you think that he was doubting his leadership some? Absolutely. Do you think he doubted his ability to lead anyone or influence anyone? If I was in his shoes, I would have felt like, God, did I really see that? Did you really say that? But yet he waited until that whole generation passed away. And here him and Caleb go. And they lead the people to the promised land. Okay, so he could have stayed with his disappointment, stayed with his discouragement, and never seen the other side of what God had promised for him. But he didn't allow his hope to dwindle. He did not. He had his eyes on something that was bigger, which was the word that God had already promised him. All right, so praise changes our focus and therefore changes our outcomes. So this story is about Donna. So Donna said that she constantly struggled with a lack of corporate, uh, cooperation. Sorry, my words are just kind of mixed up tonight. Um, at work, she just could not seem to get people on her team, even though she was their leader. She couldn't get them to just kind of line up with her and encourage them to do better. So everything would start out great, but end in a disaster over and over again. It seems as though they were constantly they were constantly resisting Donna. Um, no matter how well she treated them. So she did confess of having thoughts of hostility and frustration towards those that she needed to work with. And that she even expected them to act the way that they did. So Donna had an expectation. She had foul thoughts that she shouldn't have. Remember the whatever scripture, whatever things are good. She didn't have those thoughts. She was just having, you know, these people are just... Whatever she was thinking, I don't know what word you can use there, but, you know, go figure. I've got a, I've got a great group of people that I get to work with every day. Um, but she confessed these thoughts, and she expected people to act that way, and guess what? She learned that what she expected, she got every time. It didn't fail to deliver. Okay, so she would quietly in her mind and her heart, she began to see and praise God for a different outcome because she's realizing, I don't want to live like this. She could see then... Um, how the team could work together in the right spirit. Then with humility and love, she would submit to God for the direction. Over time, she began to feel her heart change towards her team. And she also experienced a genuine shift in the level of respect and cooperation. I'm saying that word wrong. That's my foreign tongue. You all got it Um, from them. Eventually, one day I'll just break out and speak all West Indian on you. And you'll be like, what is that? Okay, so eventually the results spoke for themselves. So there is a supernatural principle at work that somehow is connected to our expectation. And this is in the scriptures as Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for 
and the evidence of things unseen. So the word faith is translated more in line with what we expect rather than being about trusting God. Okay, so we've got to expect. You're seeing the link up with that? So there is a substance to what we expect. So here's what substance is. In other words, what we expect from deep within seems to actually become the reality of our life. Remember, Scripture says, as a man or a woman sees themselves, so are they. So if you constantly see yourself as a loser, broke, busted, and disgusted, guess what? That's what you'll get because you're expecting that. If you constantly think that every job you go apply for, people are just going to shut you down because you don't have the skills, go learn the skills. Get around someone who has that job. Learn something, but don't constantly sell yourself short because who is living on the inside of you? Okay, so as you see yourself, that's how you'll get. But then don't have an over... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't have a, a, a great big ego about yourself either, you know? So have some humility with that. So there's balance. There's balance, right? Um, so praising God is a great way to write on our hearts. Did I get that? Yeah, the word faith is translated more in line with what we expect. And in other words, uh, I'm skipping a sentence here. In other words, what we expect from deep within seems to actually become the reality in our lives. Praising God is a great way to write on our hearts and change our expectations so that they are more in line with the way that God would like them to be. So with a humble heart that is willing to praise God, amazing results are possible. Jesus himself said all things are possible to him or her who believes. So the substance that we stand on, this is our faith. It should be the word, okay, Jesus. It should, Jesus is the word made flesh. It's the word, so the faith that we stand on, this is the foundation of everything. It's the word of God, all right? As we do this, we look for every evidence of something positive um, that's happening and focus on this and not harp what is happening in the present. Does that make sense? So for every little thing that's happening that's good for something that you're believing God for, Okay, so um, my back went out. This was mm, four, five years ago. And Donna was with me when it happened. And honestly, look, I, I thought, we thought that I broke my back because we were getting a tray out. We were having this leadership thing. And I looked at Donna and I broke, Donna was a witness and I broke out in a sweat, could not move, couldn't move. And I thought, God, what have I done? And I started going to the doctor. And when they mentioned MRI and surgery, I was like, you're not cutting my spine. You're, you're, you're not cutting into my back. This is not happening. But the moment that happened, we started speaking faith. We did. And it wasn't, it was irregardless of how I was feeling. And, and you know, we can be here all day just talking about different stories and relationships and financial things for my life and my family. But this was a healing thing. And I was like, God, you know, before that, I really had not a lot of sympathy for people with back problems. After that, look, I am in your corner if you're telling me your back is hurting you. I couldn't even lift my leg up to put my pants on. My kids had to help me. What a humbling experience. But every time I lifted my leg, I was like, thank you, God. I know that I'm healed. Thank you for the manifestation of it. So I'm waiting for that. And then just like that one day, I heard that scripture that curses the one who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile. Who's a Gentile? I'm, I am that. Who does the blessing in the covenant belong to? I'm all about covenant. Y'all hear that every time I pray, I mention covenant. I have Abraham's covenant. I am joint ears with Christ. So I know that word, no matter how I feel, what my situation is, my eyes are on the word. 
That is the substance. I'm looking for any evidence. Yesterday I couldn't lift it at all. Today I lifted it just a hair. But I knew I lifted it a hair. And God, I thank you. It's manifesting. God, I thank you. And then it's for every situation. I promise you it works. But I have to shut off the negative. Oh, I feel so much pain. No, it was a reality that I was feeling pain. But I thank God for the answered prayer. All right? So that's how we do faith. Um, and also work on, so I have this in my notes here. So you see negative thoughts can and always will lead to negative confessions. And you know, if Jesus died for the curse, here's what I was going to say before. If he died for the curse, anything that we speak that is not the blessing, stay with me. If Jesus took the curse, everything that I speak in my life, can young people listen? Listen real good. That's not the blessing. It's speaking a curse. And every time I speak a curse, I'm being anti-Christ. Because he died for that. So I don't care how people are treating you. I don't care what you're going through. you got to change your words. And Psalms 119, so this was in my, Psalms 119, verse 165, you know, we need to work on having an unoffendable heart. Work on that. Because offense will keep you speaking negative and negative and walking in unforgiveness. God cannot work with that. He will not. It's in the word. All right? So um, look forward. Don't look at people or your circumstances. Cast your gaze on Jesus. If you drive backwards, you're going to crash. You will. If you look in the rearview mirror, someone told me the other day it was a great word. Um, he said, Mira, he said, and I'm going to get off my high horse after I tell you this. I was like, what is it? He said, you know, look in front of you when you're driving home. He said, you see that windshield? He said, and, look, and notice how small your rearview mirror is. He said, that's what your potential is. And that's, you're, you're not focused on that. That's too little to focus on. I thought, well, that was a great word. All right. So look forward. So number two, God's stories can take many shapes and forms. Praise always starts with our minds. It always starts in our minds, always in our thoughts. Your minds can be a battlefield of gardens of praise. It is our choice what we do with it. So everything starts with a thought, and then it progresses to a feeling, which is our physical response that we you know, show in our bodies to our thoughts. So when we have thoughts that make us depressed or happy, then we... Is everyone on the right page? We're good? Okay. Then we will have feelings and posture. We will posture ourselves to correspond with those negative thoughts or positive thoughts, whatever they are. Okay? So if you see people just focus on negative, have you ever been around someone who's real negative? Every time you mean, how you doing? Oh, it could be the, you know. I mean, that is just like, it, it's draining. It is draining. And I don't know about you. I, you know, if you're wanting to go forward, you need to have conversations that just lifts you up. How about stop talking about the negative and just get with what God says, all right? Um, so these battlefields that are in our thoughts, we've got to take them captive. Uh, and then we, Romans 12, 1 and 2, tells us that to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God and that this starts with our thoughts. So as go our thoughts, so go our lives. Philippians 4, 8 again, tells us to think on things that are truthful and worthy of praise. So the things that we're thinking on, does it really give God praise? All right, so when accusing thoughts come to our mind, negative thoughts, remind yourself of who the accuser is. There is one that accuses. There's only one. 
So if I start hearing negative things, thoughts of accusations, your biggest challenges in life, and well, I guess I'll talk about me. My biggest challenges will always be relational challenges. They'll always be, we're in the people business. So they'll always be relational. And I know how to control that because I've learned. I have sought the Lord and he has answered me and it's still a battle. But when the thought of accusation starts coming against someone in my head, and I don't care if it's coming from a person, I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, because those thoughts are accusing thoughts. So when you hear negative about anybody, recognize who you're listening to and pull those thoughts down. Um, so pay attention to it. Satan is the one who accuses. And then begin to pray in the Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and can pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit if you don't know how to pray with your English tongue. Okay, find scriptures that helps you to focus on what is good and start replacing the thinking thinking. So simply put, we can tell ourselves God's stories. You can tell yourself God's stories. We can remind ourselves that what God has done for us, um, for others, while alone, when driving or, you know, if you're showering, whatever it is, you can remind yourself of the goodness of God. I love that song, The Goodness of God. That gets me grateful every time. So this is an excellent practice, especially when one is physically ill. Many physicians have stated that patients seems to do much better when they have a belief system that is life-giving. Okay, and of course, praising God is definitely a life-giving activity. Um, I wonder how many illnesses we miss when we choose to develop a lifestyle of a life-giving I say that right? When we choose to develop the lifestyle of a life-giving person who is always looking for the good things that God has done instead of the alternative. I believe that our thoughts or thoughts are things that become tangible over time, whether they're good or bad. We've got what we're expecting. So where relationships are concerned, again, remind yourself of the good between you and the person. We're only as good as we are right now. We're only as good as we are today. That My friend Tina taught me that. Mira, people are only as good. You're only as good as you are today. In other words, people will forget all of the good that you've done in a lifetime if you just mess up this one time. And what we must do with that is start reminding ourselves, you know, again, in relationships, what has been good over all these years. So they mess up this one time. They mess up five times. But you have a hundred good memories of them. Go back to the hundred good memories and know that five are not worth it. It's not worth leaving a relationship over five negatives, over a hundred positives. So you start weighing things out in your life. Um, and remember the grace that God has had for us so that we can give it to others, right? Amen? So in how we lead our families, our children, you know, if you're, um, if you're leading a staff team, look at positive things in people. Look at their strengths and stop focusing on their weakness. And start blessing others with the words of your lips. So B, praise eventually makes its way out of our mouths. It can be in the form of a story or music. So stories are powerful. That blank there is powerful on one under B. Uh, they can encourage our faith, restore our hope, and inspire love. The Old Testament is full of stories that seen through the cross of the New Testament inspire our faith and our love for God. So many cultures pass down many customs and traditions through stories. I believe every Christ follower should keep a journal. Journaling is wonderful to write down his or own God stories. And these stories could be read out loud on a frequent basis, even if no one except God hears them. Okay, God keeps, he listens, 
and he keeps a book of remembrance, we should have one too. Scripture talks about that. Every conversation we have about the Father, he records it. I think that's precious. So when you're meeting with someone and you get excited about what God's doing, he's recording that. You start recording your, your things that you're just so grateful for. Two, music and song can move a generation. So it did in the 70s, 80s, and on and on. So songs have a way of sticking with us. Um, so it has been said that music one hears in their teens seem to be the, re- you know, the ones that they remember the most right on for me. I love 80s music because um, that's what I listened to as a teen. And I know that songs uh, can become a part of our lives and settle down within the fabric of our hearts. So for some reason, they can bubble up to the surface at just the right time as though our inner spirit man is the DJ of our lives and knows uh, just what we need for that moment. So fear is dealt with by a song of victory. So while a heart of love may need a song to dance to, filling our cars, homes, devices with our favorite praise songs can be just what we need when we least expect it. Okay, and those things, have you ever woken up with a song in the morning and it's just something that you needed to carry you through your day, your day? That's Holy Spirit just ministering love to you. So see on there is actions, the word actions. Actions can speak as loudly as words when done from a heart saturated with love and praise for God. So it could be um, anything from cutting someone's grass to writing the music for a song. The Apostle Paul was very fond of saying that actions from a pure heart for God is very pleasing to God and many times would cause those receiving the benefits of the actions to praise him. So I know that when I hear a praise song, or enjoy a gift from another Christ follower, I will usually lift my hands in praise to God. So show God praise for the goodness in your life. Okay, so let's get to the secret of worship. And I'm hurrying, I'm gonna need a little time with this one to get through with this one. So one of the New New Testament Greek words for worship is a compound word that literally means a kiss towards. So this word is translated over 60 times in the New Testament. Um, the, it's in Greek, it's, let me pronounce this right, proskuneo, proskuneo is a pronunciation. John 9.38 talks about the blind man, you know, that Jesus healed, the Pharisees, you know, were doubting that God had healed him. And this man came back and he threw his feet to, or he threw himself to Jesus's feet and just worshiped to him because he was so grateful. He was just so grateful. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's our kiss towards God. This definition reminds us of, you know, throwing a kiss to someone, but as a verb in the New Testament, it means reverence, a devoted one, someone devoted to God. Another way of saying it here at Victory is to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Just like God, we are spiritual, spiritual beings living in a body with a conscious mind. Worship is only an idea until it is expressed through a person's lifestyle. Okay, so we want to have a lifestyle of worship. But we know that there is only one God, the Father who created everything, and we live for God. And there is only one Lord Jesus Christ through whom God made everything and through whom we have been given life. Remember when Satan came to Jesus to tempt him? What did he want? He said, if you'll just bow down and worship me. That was what he asked him for for the first thing because he knows that we were made to worship God only. And Jesus' response to him was that you are to worship and love the Lord your God only in him. Only you should serve. So we were made to worship and serve in everything that we do for the glory of God. Amen? So worship can only come from your heart. It can only come from your heart. And I'll leave that story about Avatar right there. You all can read that. 
Um, it's a great clip. Go find it and you'll see what I'm talking about in there. Uh, in John 4, 24, the phrase in truth means with an authentic heart. So for God is spirit and those who worship him must worship God in spirit and in truth. So our heart must be authentic. God knows. You know, so, you know, if you rehearse a song, it just becomes like you can just repeat it on recall. And how many times do you really think about the words of that song? It's a new song God wants from our heart, right? So think about our worship to him. So remember, uh, let me go to two on this, sorry. Worship can cleanse your heart. That blank on two is cleanse your heart. The love of Christ is the most powerful heart cleansing agent there is. And there is nothing like his unconditional love that says that you are whole and you are taken care of and that you are so loved. So the person to remember with that story is a woman caught in the act of adultery. Remember what Jesus said? Look, where are your accusers? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Okay? And it's from, she was there, there was gratitude offered to him, but the worship cleansed her from sin. So worship can empower us to act like God. Worship can empower us to act like God. Lord, thank you for helping me to have a good attitude in all things at all times. Lord, you have you can bless me when and use me because you have taught me to have a good attitude. Lord, I expect only good things in my life. This is just a script. I expect only good things in my life because you are good. Lord, because you are good, I am confident. Because you are good, God. I am forgiving because you are good. I can be compassionate, Father. Because you are good, I am content in my life. Because you are good, I am motivated, God. Because you are good, I am a peacemaker. Because you are good, I am close to you. Because you are good, I am diligent. Because you are good, Father, I am focused. Because you are good, I'm flexible. Because you are good, I have a pure heart. Because you are good, I am a helper of mankind. Because you are good, I totally depend, totally trust on you, my good God. So when I reverence him, worshiping him with my whole heart, allowing him to cleanse and make me whole, I believe that he will do just as he has promised in his word and that he is everything that I am encompasses in our life then I can do as he does. Jesus was the perfect example of only doing what Father did and saying what Father did. And he left it in there for us to also mimic those behaviors, right? So we've got to make him known to others. That is the whole thing. You know, leadership is all about influence. It's how do we influence others for the kingdom? So the Lord is good and he does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. And he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his ways. Again, in John 10, 10, he said, I want to give you. So I can call each of you by name in here because I, I know everyone's name in here. I do. I can call you each by name and say each, to each of you individually. You know, like Sydney, God desires to give you a rich and satisfying life. But we've got to walk with him to experience that. We want to leave our lives or lead our lives in such a way that others will see and glorify our Father in heaven. We are called to persuade others to follow him. It's all about influence. All right, John Maxwell, that's his coin phrase. Leadership is all about influence. Nothing more, nothing less. We have all been called to lead the power of um, praise and the secret of worship, living a life in some of the ways mentioned in this short teaching um, helps us to do this. And another thing as I recap and I close for this evening, um, 
We talked about stories, and there are so many verses in the Bible that talks about singing a new song to the Lord. Remember I mentioned that, a new song? So don't let your best stories be the stories of remember when, remember when, remember yesterday, remember 10 years ago. Don't let those be your best stories. That John 10, 10 scriptures, it's that, that is the dreamer scripture of the Bible. Let your tomorrows, let your tomorrows, let the things that God has placed on your heart to do for your life, let them be God-sized dreams, beloved. Start thinking the way that God thinks for your life. Allow the words that come out from your lips about your life be what God says about you, right? Don't let your yesterdays be bigger than your tomorrows. God has a plan, and he said, my plan for you is a plan of a future and an expected end of hope. So when we're looking back and thinking that your best days were behind you, that's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie. The greater work, Jesus said, belongs to who? You and I. Amen?